Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents Ha Ha, Laugh, Funny, Mention It All, a Bravo by Betches podcast. We don't say that, but now we said it. With Dylan Hafer. Well, go check me, boo. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Mention It All podcast. I am Dylan Hafer, and today I am joined by a Mention It All favorite, I would say, among some listeners. It is Fat Carrie Bradshaw, a.k.a. Chris Burns, a.k.a. Hi, bestie. Hi. <laughs> I love uh, among some listeners and those I mean, listeners. <laughs> no, I mean I'm among sure the you're degenerates. a favorite. <laughs> I'm sure you're a favorite among all listeners, but I more mean that some people have specifically expressed that you're a favorite and said that you should come back. And I'm so glad Listen, to have you I back. And you know, right on time because we've got Salt Lake City reunion goodness happening. Mm. We are going to talk a little bit about Candy and the Gang, which premiered last night. And I thought, personally, I thought the first episode was very entertaining. And I know you have both uh, reality TV thoughts and restaurant. Yes, I do. I do. Um, And you, I, I want to mention also, you have a really exciting new podcast that just launched with Netflix called We Have the Receipts, and that's very exciting. It is very exciting. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I'm just really making reality TV my whole gig now. So I know. Bring imagine on, a podcast honey. where you just talk about reality TV all the time. That's a who would want to listen heard to of that? Something so ludicrous. <laughs> so I want to talk about Salt Lake City first before we get to Candy. Amazing. How are we feeling? I haven't talked to you at all since we've been in reunion season for Salt Lake. How are you feeling about this? show overall and how the season is concluding what's your take who whose team are you on listen any feelings i have some interesting hot take i when it comes down to lisa and meredith yes i'm team lisa for sure sorry Mm. like i will say i wish lisa could just fucking apologize and like not try to explain away all of her behavior but I also feel like I can't believe Meredith is still standing by. I'm surprised so many of them are kind of like standing by Mary. Even like Heather said, like when she watched it back, she like agreed with Mary more. And I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it was strange on this part when when Jenny said that she's the only one not intimidated by Mary. And Heather sort of justified that by saying, well, we all know better and we know to be careful around Mary. And so she's basically saying, yeah, we are all intimidated by her because yeah. we don't want to get yelled at. And it's like, no, but that doesn't make you look better. That makes you look like you're kind of weak when you're dealing yeah. with Mary. And it's as much as I am not a fan of Jenny, I do appreciate somebody. You you never want to have a housewife where they are untouchable by anyone in the cast. And Mary is kind of in a weird place where it's like, she's so wildly, she says offensive things. She has so much questionable stuff in her personal life, in her professional life, whatever, that it's like, no, she should be raked over the coals constantly and we're, we don't oh, yeah, get no, that I mean, because of this 
A hundred percent. And she didn't even show up to like fend for herself. I feel like she should be thrown to the wolves. I, I, I feel like everybody's dealing with Mary too kindly. Even like Whitney in that text. I'm like, Whitney should be reading that text sitting on the couch from Mary talking about how she doesn't need plastic surgery because she's perfect. Um, yeah, I don't know. That I was think the receipts. I love when Lisa Barlow, like I love nothing more than a housewife taking out their glasses during a reunion so that we know things are about to be read. I feel like we've reached a point, and I think I was talking about this uh, last week. We've reached peak receipts at reunions. I think we are past the point where printing out some text messages really accomplishes anything. Yeah. Obviously, like with the hot mic moment, Andy had the whole thing printed out on his brutal. note card. And he- Absolutely brutal that that's how they did that. I know. And the, the split screen between Meredith, Lisa, and Andy, where Lisa is blinking erratically and nodding along and then at the end just goes that's a lot (laughs) (laughs) so i that editing choice of the split screen was so brilliant but yeah i think we're we're at the point where you can print out as many texts as you want and you can come with as many different forms of proof Mm -hmm. or what you believe to be proof or you know character assassination or any of that stuff but at the end of the day, I care more about what's playing out in front of me than yeah. what what Angie said in a text to Whitney six months before filming even happened. And then you were talking to Cameron and then this was blah, 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 blah. Like, it's just never going to be as compelling as you want it to be. And even after, during and after the reunion aired last night, Lisa's posting more texts and more receipts on Twitter. And it's like, I don't actually care that much. I'm also like, get Angie in here. Where's Angie? Let's bring her on in for a little interview. So are you are you fully like you wish Angie had been invited to this reunion? Only because her name like I didn't think about it until the reunion was happening and they keep on talking about mm-hmm. Angie and Heather's like I'll call Han- I'll call Angie right now. <laughs> like I'm like you know she would have come if she had been asked. She Right, give her an hour. She'll be she'll be here in person. <laughs> yeah, she'll take a helicopter from Salt Lake and get there. <laughs> In no time. I also, when Lisa was like, I was talking to myself. I was talking to myself. I was having a moment. But I'm like, we saw you and there was someone in that room. Yes. Okay. I thought about that too. I wish they would have pressed her a little more on that because when you, maybe they had just seen the episode like the night before, so they didn't have time to really dig into it. But everybody on Twitter did. Um, The that you could see in the mirror, however the hallway was situated, you could see that there was a person standing in the room with her who we all assume is a producer. producer. And so I thought it was a little unsatisfying when they were, they spent a lot of time unpacking this whole issue between Lisa and Meredith. And I actually think it makes a difference for Lisa to say, I was talking about myself. I forgot I was on mic. That would make it seem a little more, a little less egregious, I think, a little more of just a private moment where she was kind of spiraling. But to know that there was a producer in there and maybe even a boom mic, like it wasn't a situation where she really could have thought nobody was going to hear it. Well, she had the mic pack on, so like obviously. Right. But I'm like, it's also, I want to do it as a monologue. It's iconic. I'm like, (laughs) don't apologize for giving us the best soundbite we've got all season. (laughs) Dumb fucking family that poses is one of my favorite phrases. I love when Heather's like, you called your friend of 10 years a garbage whore. 
<laughs> it's like no no not true not true don't narrate me they're narrating me i lisa is we it's funny because last reunion she was the queen of roll footage like every time yeah. somebody said something about her she was like no no you said it roll footage and this year she's kind of taking the opposite approach where for all the stuff that there is footage of she's fully just denying totally. and i think that's what you were kind of saying like if she could just chill out for a second and take a step back and be like, you know what? I was in a weird, bad place and I did say a lot of shit this yeah. season. And I think it's a, it's a situation where owning it would be warranted. Yeah. Well, I also, especially when it came to Meredith being like, you weren't there for me when my father died. And Lisa was like, yes, I was, I was there for you. I was there for you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this isn't like up for debate. Like, the only opinion that matters right now here is Meredith because she's the one whose father's father died and is saying you weren't there for her. So like she feels right. like you weren't there. So you have to like yeah. own something. She needs to Lisa Rinna this reunion a little bit better. To me, I think that is one of the more human dynamics that we see on Real Housewives. The idea of like, I thought I was being a good friend to you, but I can understand now that you weren't getting what you needed from me. And that is a thing where it's like, okay, I can understand that maybe we were on different pages and I wish the communication had been better because I didn't mean to be, you know, distant from you. And Lisa seems so adamant that she's like, no, 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 100%. I can verify that I was there for you. And it's like, yeah, but you you having a screenshot of a text doesn't make any difference in how Meredith felt supported or you know, yeah, whatever. And Meredith, probably because there wasn't cameras, I'd be like, you weren't, like, there was no cameras, so you aren't being a good friend because there was no one to perform in front of. Yeah, I was, um, Candy was on Watch What Happens Live last night, and Andy was asking her about the new season of Atlanta that's going to be coming up soon. And one thing that she was saying that got me really excited was that some seasons that she's been on, the women aren't that into kind of being friends off camera and she said Mm -hmm. that this season they were super chatty with each other like the group chat was really active everybody was kind of it seemed like everybody was down to really yeah be friends even when they weren't filming and that makes me so excited because you can tell and i feel like salt like one critique i would have and i've seen other people use is that it it does feel kind of like a disjointed group that only exists on camera co-workers yeah and i believe that some of them have friendships and relationships with each other outside of the show but in terms of the overall group dynamic it's very much like okay we pulled you in we pulled you in we pulled you in now let's plan a scene well it's very like orange county uh last year when it was like very clear none of them knew each other, let alone were friends. Um, even yeah. like kind of this season with Shannon and everyone, I guess kind of Shannon in the past six seasons of Orange County, where I'm like, w- I don't know how well, you keep passing. Yeah, the time. Shannon's always. <laughs> it feels like every season Shannon is more and more on an island. Like since she fell out with the Trace Amigas, it's like. Yeah. What is Shannon tr- truly I'm doing like, here? That, I just will never, ever understand the mindset of keeping Shannon and getting rid of Tamara. But I think one of the biggest, I mean, season 15 was a flop in every direction, but I think one of the biggest mistakes right off the bat was 
positioning Shannon as the center orange central figure of the cast. And it's like, that's not, that's not her vibe and it never will be. A Shannon Bedore uh, does not a Heather Dubrow make. Okay. No, I think Shannon is an engaging person to watch on TV. I think she can be really entertaining. Um, As bad as this sounds, I love to watch her struggle, but um, (laughs) she's not, she's not like a, she's not a Bethany. She's not a, Teresa, you know, she can't, yeah. she's not somebody to build the, build the show around. Calling all my honeys. Support for today's episode comes from Honey Love. Whether you're a bride, a wedding guest, or simply seeking everyday smoothing, Honey Love is the go-to for all things shapewear. Honey Love has revolutionized compression technology, so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating while wearing effective shapewear. For a limited time, you can get Honey Love on sale Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com slash MIA. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com forward slash MIA. When talking about shapewear, Honeylove's best-selling superpower short is the go-to. It has targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas you want more support and areas where you need less compression. Their signature X targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. The Superpower Short is helping ladies everywhere sculpt and smooth from stomach to thigh by offering just the perfect amount of compression. You won't have to worry about it rolling down, which is unheard of in shapewear, thanks to flexible boning that's hidden in the side seams. This piece is also a booty lifter. Boost bands on the back and thigh give your bottom an amazing shape. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com MIA. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash MIA. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Move with confidence. Thanks to Honeylove. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting back to Salt Lake City, the one of the hardest or like roughest moments I think for me was last night when Lisa Barlow is in the middle of apologizing and Jen Shaw, of all people, gives gives her a little advice on how to apologize. And I just I love Lisa, but you know that you have made some big mistakes when Jen <laughs> Shaw is in a position to give we you also- advice. How to apologize. Speaking of Jen Shaw, can we talk about how they made her take off those gloves, which were... All right, listen, I know Jen Shaw's a controversial topic, uh, pun intended, but she looked... She always looks fucking fierce. And those gloves with the beads, I was like, those are my dream. And then obviously they have to take them off for sound. But then when she comes back from lunch, she brings the gloves again and puts them on the (laughs) next armchair. I'm like, girl, you could have left the gloves back in the green room. <laughs> she really thought she was going to be able to, like, sneak the gloves on and they weren't <laughs> going to tell her to take them off again. And it's like, no, bitch, it, if it's a sound issue, the microphones are the same as the they were this time, morning. They didn't upgrade <laughs> while you were gone. I- I'm sure. When she came out with that outfit, I was like, that's going to be a sound issue just on her chest because they have the click, mics click, 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 on click. them. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. But yeah, I think 
and didn't Whitney give Lisa advice too? Yeah, all kind of all of them were. And I do I as somebody who enjoys Lisa Barlow and thinks she's great TV, but also that she's wrong a lot of the time. I understand why she kind of feels ganged up on at this reunion and we see her sort totally. of start to I mean, crack. she is being ganged up on. Right. Like, I think somewhat rightfully so that it's like everybody in this cast kind of has their own individual issues with her. But I do think they're all being very specific in the way that they are bringing up these issues with her and that it does feel a little bit coordinated that Meredith is sort of proving her case for why she was there. It feels like Whitney and Heather are kind of a united front against Lisa. And now even Jen, who for much of the season, Lisa was kind of a ride or die for Jen. And then we saw that fall apart on the sprinter to Zion. Like Jen is now sort of also coming for Lisa. So the only person who is really objectively on Lisa's side at this reunion is Jenny, which like, even before the whole racism controversy, Jenny is sort of a non-factor in this cast. Especially in this reunion, it's like she's grasping at straws to for her season two contract, which she didn't get for other reasons. But um, no, I agree. I feel bad. Like, I always feel bad for the housewife that gets ganged up on, even though all of the points that were being made were valid against Lisa. And especially, I think... Um, Lisa and Meredith like in like there's just so it's so hard to defend after yeah <laughs> yelling at someone calling them a garbage whore but the only thing that I will say is the um conversation when she called her and she was like Meredith at her father's memorial I feel so bad like why are we so mad at Lisa for that Meredith was whispering and said okay sorry love like <laughs> like I'm like Lisa it was an honest mistake obviously or Meredith right. lying. I think it was I think it really was a misunderstanding and I don't think I don't think Meredith ever lied about being at no, her father's memorial. No, I think Lisa memorial. doesn't know how to come. Like Lisa doesn't know how to argue basically cuz Lisa could be like I called, I said it and you said, "Okay, thank you." Like what the fuck else do you want from me? Right. Like, I think what it comes down to is that Meredith didn't really want to be on the phone with Lisa. So she was like, okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah, I was on a ton of Xanax in the bathtub, actually, when you were right, calling. She's like, Did you? She's like, did you see me on camera that day? I was on another the fuck out. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> um, Allegedly. <laughs> but yeah, no, that whole the whole thing about Meredith's dad's memorial, I think, is it's kind of a non-issue when you actually get into it because it's like first of all the memorial happened she didn't invent it there was a miscommunication a misunderstanding about what specific day it was but overall she was that's why she wasn't on the sprinter van and it's not that big of a deal but i i think if the women had just brought it up in a way that wasn't so scheming and like yeah. meredith we've all been talking about your dead dad it's like I understood why Meredith was so heated about it. But like now that we're at the reunion, it's like, everybody just like fucking drop it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I, I, it felt way too. I'm like, this is such an on issue. Like this girl could be going to prison <laughs> and we're <laughs> arguing about you maybe being at a memorial service when someone called you. 
I know the the other we're obviously next part three is going to be a lot of Jen's legal stuff. And this episode, we didn't really even touch on it. Probably my favorite Jen moment this episode was when Andy asks who thinks Mary's church is a cult. And (laughs) Heather's like, Heather's like, no, I don't. And Whitney's like, I have Christians. And Jen's like, bitch, every church is a cult. (laughs) I know. And she's like, well, I think every church is a cult to some extent, which fair, but (laughs) Also, it's a cult. Like, Heather and Whitney, I'm like, what do you mean? Like, did, w- did we not watch the same footage of people showering her in compliments about what she wears at church? Like, absolutely insane. There's a support group on how to deal with getting out of her church. That Like, what other things make a cult? Just because they haven't fucking invited them to drink the Kool-Aid yet does not mean it's not a cult. Right. And with the whole Cameron thing, which first of all, just feels a little weird because he passed away since filming the season, which is like a whole extra dynamic. But they're so focused on how much money did he give Mary? Did he mortgage his house? Was he on the board for this thing? Who invited him where and when? And when did Whitney contact him? And they're so focused on the minutia of his potential involvement with something. And it's like, there are larger red flags outside of just Cameron. Like you were saying, the fact that there is a literal support group for ex-members of this church, that's not normal. No. And even the way that she talked about, remember the episode when she comes in and she's like, oh, it's been a day. Like one of my parishioners flew through the sunroof and fell out the thing. And when he's like, are they okay? And she's like, no, she died. Anyway, I'm happy to be here to drink. Like, I'm like, what? Yes. That was in like the season premiere. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. I need like many more details about this situation. Yeah. It's so bizarre. I'm happy Mary's gone. I feel like we won't, we haven't seen the last of her though. The Dateline special shall be out probably (laughs) any day now. Yeah, like, I don't think she would do reality TV again, but I could see her popping up on a crew crime. Crew, true, true, true crime. Docu-series. <laughs> right, like, she's going to be on, like, the yeah. next Listen, I've been Anna saying it since I've been saying it since the first episode of season one. Mary Cosby is TLC, not Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I would not be mad about it. Um... They're filming for next season, and there's uh, some some rumors about the new women. So I'm I'm excited to see what direction it goes in, and also like how this group moves forward because I, I feel know. like Meredith Meredith doesn't want to fuck with these people. At least not like I just don't. She's like I hate to throw a ten year friendship away, and it's like yeah, but do you want to be friends with Lisa? Because it doesn't actually feel like you. Yeah, I'm surprised I mean, Lisa's still on the show, which she is because they're filming. But like, I. I would not be. I'm like, it's a very one against everyone vibe. Yeah. But also but maybe think- she's thinking she's like with these new people, maybe I can. It's like when you started a new job and there's one person that's really nice to you and you're like, hmm, I wonder if they're the outlier because right. <laughs> they're hopping you're like, on she the seems new person really cool, a little But fast. she might actually be the weirdest person. And I just haven't experienced that yet. A hundred percent. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With 
fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, I want to talk about Candy and the gang. Uh, first of all, I enjoyed this episode. People were asking me if I think this is going to be like the new Vanderpump rules. And it's... That seems I mean, it's, the vibe. It's too soon to say in terms of like iconicness because Vanderpump gave us so much. I kept thinking that it was Vanderpump meets Bar Rescue. Like I was waiting for John Tafford to come in. <laughs> it definitely to me has the potential because first of all, it has, I mean, the premise is there. Candy owns this restaurant. There are people who work there. And the characters, the people we meet on this first episode, are over the top, larger than life, yes, very love entertaining. It. I love that it's bringing... It, you can tell that there are maybe some, a couple people in the cast who were sort of cast for the show. But I really do feel like, similar to Vanderpump <laughs> Rules, most of these people have worked at Candy's well, restaurant. And and it feels like these people, yeah, do are in like Candy's sphere. It didn't even feel like like the new people they were hiring did have uh like resumes that also made them right for the job that they were doing at the restaurant. So it didn't feel like awkward or weird that like the guy who's in charge was there because he has like a sixteen year background in fine dining. Right. It's not like, well, I actually want to be a model actor, but this restaurant gig sounds cool. And it's like, but you want to be on TV. (laughs) That's what I felt, though, the real, like, it was more realistic to me that, like, what's her name? Dom? Dominique. Dominique was like, I'm a dancer. Like, I leave for a month and I come back and I sell my job. That is such a restaurant vibe. So I did like that. I'm like, it does feel real. I, so right off the bat, I am obsessed with the two hostess OG besties Chandrika and Dominique they are and Dominique's a bartender right I think like yeah but also it seems like maybe a hostess it's I mean clearly this restaurant is in need of some organizational I mean it is a disaster (laughs) when they're doing the countdown clock to when the restaurant is supposed to open and it happens twice in this episode that they're like it's 15 minutes until the restaurant opens and it's ding 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 and then it's like, no, we're just not opening on time. I'm like, what? Listen, I I have worked and managed many restaurants and open like it was killing me. I'm like, the tables aren't even set up. And the one manager <laughs> is like, I'm like, he obviously needs to be fired, Brandon. I'm like, he's like sitting there when the power's out, not doing anything. Like it it just he even says he's like, I came in to eat and I saw Dominique behind the bar, and that's like why I got the job. <laughs> Have you ever watched, what's it called? Kitchen Nightmares with Gordon Ramsay? Yes. Like, it feels very much like that where sometimes they'll go to this restaurant that's really struggling and it's like nasty and Gordon Ramsay's like, you know, yelling or whatever. And there's the people who work there that are just so 
their spirits are broken. And they're like, I just feel like we had this dream and everything has gone so wrong. And I just don't know how we can ever get it back together. It's very poor rescue. Right. And like, not like, I mean, Candy is doing fine. But I'm like, when the new host comes in and he's like, he comes from Blaze and he's like, oh, do you guys have an iPad? And oh, she's, she's like, like, no, this she, is, <laughs> this is the hood. And it's like, Candy, buy them an iPad. <laughs> but seriously, even when he's like, we don't have a generator and Todd's like, I'd rather deal with the power going out every now and then than getting a generator. You have to go down to the city. I'm like, you have like 40 businesses. Get a generator. Get the things right. you need for these people to succeed. It's absolutely, and I'm, Candy is like, it's loyalty above all else. I'm like, if someone is completely ruining your business, that's not loyalty. That's them using you. <laughs> They're at least telling us that this business is thriving. Like the line is out the door. They can't, they have four rushes every day, every Saturday. And it's like, okay, then maybe. <laughs> Maybe invest in an iPad yeah. or the generator if you need one. It it feels like some of these problems are easily fixable. Um, and I I have faith in Philip, the new operations manager, that he can get things on track. Maybe. Yeah. Well, I mean, even when they're like, um, we have four rushes. I'm like, you know what? Maybe they wouldn't be rushes if people were doing the things they were supposed to do. It's the whole, every yeah. system that they were using, I was like cringing the entire episode. They're like blackout drunk at the uh, uh, company <laughs> picnic, which I mean, no sh- no shade there. We've all done that. But that was also a very realistic thing. But then the party, she's like, we're having this big party and it's just like in the parking lot. <laughs> I'm like, Candy, where's the money? I love that old lady gang has the equivalent of a Sir Alley right off the bat. And I believe last night they had the premiere party there and it's like outside in this parking lot area that I recognize from the episode. I'm like, I kind of love this. I I love that it's like, we're having a big party and it's going to be at the restaurant, but not in the restaurant, like outside next door and everybody's just going to get wasted. And at one point Todd is like, okay, shut down the bar. We don't, everybody's saucy. Like (laughs) He's like, no more liquor. Like, Dominique and Brandon are about to start, like, fucking on the picnic table. Oh, my God. It's like, I can't. I can't. But my favorite part of the whole thing is the old lady gang themselves. Yes. I love Yeah. How, like, even at the end when they're like, okay, so next time she's like, we have to do this again. <laughs> like, the interview. <laughs> yeah. Aunt Mama Joyce, Aunt Nora, Aunt Bertha, they have always been a fun presence on Real Housewives of Atlanta but aside from Joyce we haven't really gotten too much of them and I they are so entertaining I the fact that um Nora and Bertha are both in their 80s I'm, I know honestly, good for you but yeah I love that they just will like show up in the middle of the Saturday rush and be like <laughs> pointing things out and like yelling and about like, their recipes. It is funny that Candy was like, because I was like, are they really? These women work here? Like, and she's like, when we opened it, we thought it was just going to be the name, take a couple of pictures, <laughs> but they're ruining the business. Right? I'm like, <laughs> I really love it's it. It's like, no, 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 you're a, you're a silent partner. <laughs> yeah. Emphasis on silent. I'm sure they never thought that they would have any interest in like the day to day. Even when they show the preview, they're like, who's your favorite? 
employee at OLG and all three of them just roll their eyes and don't even answer. (laughs) I know. I kind of love that because on Vanderpump Rules, obviously Lisa is, you know, quote unquote, the manager. And she, you know, at least on camera deals with a lot of the staffing things. And it's kind of fun that, but she never really has anybody else on her level. And it's fun on this show that we have Candy and Todd, who are kind of like the bosses, but then also Don Juan, who I think is kind of annoying and thirsty on Atlanta, but this show, it feels like he's like supposed to be there. And he's like another boss. And then on top of that, you have the old lady gang who are not actually anybody's boss, but still kind of are just like bossy because they can be. And it's, it's fun that we have this whole kind of like upper tier of management and family because you know sometimes on Vanderpump Rules I feel like Lisa needs like somebody to talk to oh no totally but also I like again the realism of like Candy being like we never are there (laughs) like that's that's also like there's no way that although the one time I was at a Lisa Vanderpump restaurant she was there so maybe she is there but um I don't know it's just not believable to me that like like James is the one who feel I'm like this man can save your restaurant but I feel like they're not going to let him. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I I'm excited to see where the season goes. I have I think there's a lot of potential for drama. I am very into all of the people we've met. Um and oh, I'm hoping to- that the it, drama the one I'm guy that, that said well. that said about Dominique when she was drunk, he's like, oh, I hope that I don't ever act like that when I'm that old. And I was like, oh. <laughs> right? And she's, she's like well, 25. She be, right. I'm like, she can't be older than 30. She's for a sure. Megan the Stallion dancer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like, the reunion is going to be good. I'm very much enjoying it. Oh, they better get a reunion. Um, but yeah, I I'm loving it. And Chris, I'm so glad that you were able to come by and talk about these two shows. Yes, I feel like you're thank the you for person, having me. Perfect person to kick this off. Uh, remind everyone where they can follow you, listen to you, all of that. You can find me at Fat Carrie Bradshaw, and you can find all of my podcast links and everything there. And just go right there; it's easier. Love to hear it. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Always a pleasure. Thank you. And don't forget to rate, review, and follow the show wherever you listen. You can follow us on Instagram at Bravo by Betches. And until next time, be cool. Don't be all like uncool. Mention It All is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales Pico. Editing by Sean Kilby. Social media by Dylan Hafer. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow at Bravo by Betches on Instagram and Twitter. Betches.